0: award-winning and best-selling author, Dr. Steven Lesovich. Hi, this is Dr. Steven Lesovich out there on the edge of everything. This episode is entitled, When is Up Actually Down and Down Actually Up? Let me share a true story with you. A number of years back, I was enrolled in a scuba class with a bunch of friends from work at a YMCA in the suburbs of Chicago. Our scuba instructor was a former U.S. Navy Underwater Demolition Team UDT diver who served during the Vietnam War. So our scuba class was taught like we were military recruits. We repeated our scuba tasks and emergency procedures over and over until they became natural reactions. The end result was just about everybody in the class became a very good scuba diver. After we completed the class passed our written test, and completed our open water check dives and were certified. My friends and I took a dive trip to the Cayman Islands in the Caribbean. Around the Cayman Islands, the visibility is typically about 100 feet or more, and the water temperature is in the 80-plus degree range. So diving was fun and could be accomplished in just a swimsuit on most days. Now, several months after the Cayman trip, one of my friends and I decided to experience diving in the cold, dark waters of the Midwest we decided to dive in a quarry in southeast Wisconsin. To dive in this quarry, we would be required to wear a full wetsuit as the water was very cold. When you dive in a wetsuit, the wetsuit makes you buoyant. That is, it makes you float in the water. To overcome this buoyancy, you use a weight belt with a number of lead weights that help you sink underneath the water. Since I had never completed a dive in a full wetsuit before, my dive buddy and I did the best we could to estimate how much weight we needed to overcome the buoyancy of the wetsuit and the other components of our scuba diving equipment a common rule of thumb is that you will need lead weights that amount to about 10 percent of your body weight so a 200 pound man would require about 20 pounds of weights since my dive buddy and myself both weighed about 200 pounds we grabbed the 20 pounds of lead weights for our weight belts before we went out to the quarry at the quarry we hauled all our scuba gear from the car in the parking lot to the beach One of the pieces of the scuba equipment that a diver uses is called a buoyancy compensator or a BC, which is similar to an inflatable life vest. The BC is a vest that has an inflatable bladder, which a diver inflates with air to allow the diver to float on the surface. When the diver desires to dive below the surface, any air in the BC is removed with a valve and the diver sinks. At the quarry, we put on our wetsuits, BCs, masks, weight belts, fins, and all the other scuba dive equipment we needed and swam out about 600 yards or so from the beach. We wanted to go down to the bottom at the deepest part of the quarry, which was a depth of about 90 feet. When we were both ready, we gave the scuba okay signal and let the air out of our buoyancy compensators expecting to slowly sink to the bottom. Unfortunately, nothing happened. Absolutely nothing we did not sink down even an inch. What we had forgot to estimate was the buoyancy for the other pieces of equipment we were using including the wetsuit hoods, wetsuit gloves, wetsuit booties for our feet, all of which added additional buoyancy. As a result, we did not bring enough lead weights with us to sink below the surface. We had no choice but to swim back to shore and look for some additional weight to save our dive. Since the nearest scuba store was many miles away, we decided to improvise. There were a number of rocks on the beach, so both of us grabbed four large rocks and put them in the pockets of our wetsuit. We assumed that the rocks would be more than enough weight to get us to the bottom. We were so right about that. With the rocks in our pockets, we inflated our BCs, swam back out the 600 yards or so from the beach. As I faced my dive buddy, We again gave each other the SCUBA OK signal and let the air out of our BCs. The instant all of the air was out of my BC, I immediately was in an extremely rapid descent to the 90-foot bottom. I was descending so fast it was difficult to clear the pressure in my ears. As I descended, the water was getting colder and the visibility worse foot by foot. Instead of a nice gradual descent, I went from the surface to the bottom in just a few seconds. Normally, such a descent takes several minutes. The 90 feet of water was putting extreme pressure on my eardrums and causing me extreme pain. I was finally able to clear my ears to relieve the pain. However, at this point, I was completely disoriented. It was so dark, I could hardly see my hand when I put it on my scuba mask. The water was so cold compared to the surface, it was a real shock to my body. I kicked hard once to stop my descent and stabilize myself. I did not want to crash into the bottom of the quarry with my fins as there were many sharp rocks on the bottom. I was stable and floating in the water. At this point I had vertigo. I had no idea which way was up or down since the rocks in my pockets were not exactly the same amount of weight on each side, I actually went into a spin as I was descending. The spin turned me completely upside down in the water. My feet were facing towards the surface and my head was facing towards the bottom. I was trying not to panic, but at this point my emergency scuba diving training took over. All those hours of training with a former US Navy UDT diver kicked in. One of the things we had practiced in the swimming pool was a technique for vertigo. The instructor roll us in the balls in the water a few times to purposely make us disoriented. In many instances, we are upside down with our head pointing towards the bottom. We were instructed to exhale with our hand in front of our face to try and see and feel our bubbles. When you exhale underwater through a scuba regulator while scuba diving, the gases you exhale create bubbles that are lighter compared to the water, so they always float to the surface our instructor taught us to put our hands just above our nose to try and see and feel our bubbles as we exhaled. If you can see or feel the bubbles going past your hand, you are orientated correctly in the water. If you cannot see or feel the bubbles going past your hand, you are upside down and had to reorient yourself in the water. I pushed back the feelings of panic and put my hand just above my nose and exhaled. I did not see or feel any bubbles. It was very dark at 90 feet, so it was very difficult to see anything at all. The bubbles were actually going down from my orientation in the water. Now think about this. The bubbles were going down instead of up. At this point, my mind and my body were not believing what I was experiencing. I exhale again with the same results. The bubbles were still going down, which meant I was upside down in the water, as the bubbles always rise to the surface. I had to now convince myself that I was actually upside down in the water and try to turn myself around. My feet were pointing towards the surface and my head was pointing towards the bottom. Because it was so dark I did not know how close to the bottom I actually was and I didn't want to smash my head into the sharp rocks. On my blog post, I have a picture of a scuba diver with a wheelbarrow with his head pointed down towards the bottom and his bubbles traveling downward from the diver's perspective. However, the diver's bubbles are actually correctly traveling upwards towards the ice covered surface because in this picture, the diver is upside down and his feet are on the bottom of the surface of the ice. I know this may be difficult to understand and visualize. If you actually want to witness this situation there's a great video on youtube called fishing under ice now on my blog post and i have a link to this video on youtube in this video some scuba divers in finland turn themselves upside down on purpose and walk on the bottom side of a piece of ice on an ice covered lake in this video all of the divers bubbles are going down when they exhale, which are actually going up towards the surface because the divers feet are on the bottom surface of the ice and the divers heads are actually pointing down towards the bottom and not up towards the surface. Meanwhile, for me back at 90 feet in the quarry, I was fighting back the panic and still not believing what my body was feeling. I slowly rotated myself while exhaling until my bubbles were going up instead of down. I exhaled a few more times just to make sure my bubbles were going up and not down, and thankfully they were. At that moment, I knew my head was pointing towards the surface, and I took all the rocks out of my pocket and dropped them into the water. At that point, the only thing I wanted to do was to find my dive buddy and get back to the surface. This whole experience had lasted less than a few minutes. I then started looking for my dive buddy in the cold and darkness by executing a search pattern. I found them a few minutes later. When I found him, his eyes were as big as dinner plates. He had a similar descent experience but without turning upside down. I gave him the scuba symbol for surfacing and he shook his head vigorously up and down indicating yes, yes, yes. We grabbed onto each other's BCs so we wouldn't lose each other again and slowly ascended to the surface. We ended our scuba adventure there for that day. So what can you do when you find yourself upside down in your own life where it's hard to determine which way is up and you have many things weighing you down? you have pockets full of rocks. Consider these three things. Number one, breathe. If you find yourself in any situation in your life which is causing you to feel that you're upside down or a life situation in which you cannot determine up from down, immediately stop what you're doing and just breathe. Such a life situation may be causing you feelings of anxiety, extreme stress, or even panic. So you need to breathe and change your focus to your breath. Specifically, inhale, hold, and exhale in a rhythmic pattern as slowly as you can. Breathing this way will help you calm yourself and allow you to regain control of your emotions. Even though you won't actually be underwater and be exhaling any bubbles, focus in on your own breath as you breathe. Try to observe the air entering and leaving your body. This will help to relax you. Number two, examine your current orientation. Examine your current orientation in your own life and the thought patterns and emotions associated with it. What circumstances or events have caused the current orientation in your life to feel upside down? Are there circumstances or events in your own life causing you to think, feel, and experience an upside-down orientation possibly based on negative emotions such as fear, anger, guilt, shame, anxiety, etc. If so, you need to change your thought patterns. For example, I can't do this. I can't take this anymore. Things never work out for me. Everyone, everything, etc. is against me. And change the negative emotions you are feeling so you do not continue in a downward direction and smash your head into the rocks on the bottom. Number three, change your orientation to an upwards direction. To change the current orientation of your life from upside down to pointing upwards, you need to get rid of the negative thought patterns you were thinking and the negative emotions you were feeling which are causing you to carry around extra weight like rocks in your pocket. That is, you need to remove those rocks from your pocket. You can do so by understanding what emotional triggers may have triggered your negative thought patterns and negative emotions. An emotional trigger is anything that makes you feel uncomfortable and invokes some memory of an original trauma that was unpleasant for you. Behavior patterns are activated and repeated because of emotional triggers and initiate an automatic personal response in you. If you can understand your own emotional triggers and identify when they occur, you give yourself the opportunity to react in a new and different way than you may have done in the past. Once you understand your emotional triggers, you can focus on new and positive thought patterns such as I can do this, I can get past this situation, things always work out for me, Everyone and everything seems to be assisting me, etc. You can change your focus to positive emotions such as joy, love, peace, courage, etc. Doing so will change your current orientation and always allow you to swim in an upwards direction in your own life. Until next time, I'm Dr. Stephen Lesovich, out there on the edge of everything. You have been listening to... Out there on the edge of everything, the show that examines, helps you understand and effectively deal with the interesting edges of life. For more information on your host, Dr. Stephen Lesovich, please visit slesovich.com. For more information on prior and future shows, please visit coconutavenueradio.net. This is the Coconut Avenue Radio and Podcast Network.